everyone. Today on What's My Frame, I'm joined by costume designer Kristen Hockrodder. Kristen and I go on a deep dive into all things costume design. From the world of superhero costumes and her work on Supergirl, how the costume department sources dead stock materials to create custom unique pieces for period productions like her work on Behind the Candelabra. We also discuss the fascinating process of world building for season two of You and how costume designers play an integral part in supporting all actors in creating their characters' unique characteristics down to small details like their socks. We are so glad to have you join us today. Now let's get to the show. Thank you for joining us on What's My Frame. I would love if you could just start us out with how you got into costume design and how you found your way to like current in the industry. Yeah. Um, I studied at a liberal arts college. I studied apparel and design, um, and I was working as a photographer for the alumni magazine for that um, college and Concordia College in Northern Minnesota. Um, I didn't necessarily have my, you know, site set on costume design as it wasn't, uh, you know, I think a lot of people don't feel that it's a career you can go into so easily or or you're just not aware of it. I wasn't as aware of it truthfully or what that role did. Um, and so at the time I did take some like theater production courses and was interested in how to apply my interest in costuming or clothing, um, but I wasn't quite sure what that meant yet. Um, and so shortly after college, I was trying to figure out, I didn't really want to go into corporate retail buyer um, positions. It just didn't interest me quite as much because it tends to be a little more mathematical and um, it's not as creative as it kind of seems like it would be. Um, and we had a family friend that was a um, he was a, like, a, he worked in the camera department for commercials and some other um, stuff in, in Minneapolis has a big community of theater and commercials. And, you know, there's just a lot of, a lot of 3M, Target, all the, all these big companies that are there. Um, and so there's actually a decent, um, very talented community there. And so that's how I got my start there was working in commercials and, working under some of the people there to kind of just understand what the industry was all about. And then about four years later, I came out to Los Angeles um, and didn't know anyone. <laughs> but um, just kind of ended up, you know, just trying to network and figure out how to meet people and work with people. And, and it kind of led to um, some monumental things that kind of got me to where I was and that's um, ended up meeting Colleen Atwood who's an obviously incredible costume designer and did the first kind of big budget movie with her. My first one was with her and it was called In Time with Justin Timberlake and um, we shot a lot in downtown LA and it was just it was a great experience and eye-opening experience of like, oh, this is, you know, here you go. Well, here's your entrance into costume design. I still remember in time when some of the <laughs> very like cool and futuristic costumes. That was an interesting one for JT. Definitely, um, definitely. <laughs> um, I want to dive right into your costume work because you're known for designing some incredible superhero costumes on Supergirl. Can you tell us how you were drawn to that specific genre of costuming and how it maybe differs from costuming like normal characters? 
So I got introduced to Berlanti Group, which does all those superhero shows like Supergirl through Colleen Atwood. She designed the actual Supergirl costume and um, I was helping source fabrics and um, kind of finalize the manufacturing of that costume. And, and that's how I got introduced to them. And, and um, it was my first TV show doing Supergirl. Um, I think my background in doing fabric sourcing and um, trying to understand character design is, is what helped, uh, you know, what helped the superhero genre. I wouldn't say that I, it was a goal to go seek that out. What I think is interesting about that genre is, right, you know, you're creating head to toe, you're, you're manufacturing all the pieces. And so it's a very creative, interesting process versus the different process of off the rack shopping, which is its own beast and is also interesting too. It's just, they're two very different aspects. Superheroes, it's why they're so popular. They're so rooted in our, um, just kind of, I think they appeal to both children and adults. And I think that there's always, a, the story is always kind of simplistic at the base. It's good versus evil. So I think there's just this appeal that we have to it. Um, I didn't, I didn't grow up super involved with them, but we've all watched Superman and all these movies. So I think it was a really, you know, such a um, opportunity that I really enjoyed to create some of those superheroes. And I think for me, I had a little more um, of an outsider perspective to be able to create those, those costumes. And I, I work with illustrators who then help me, you know, we do a lot of research into how that particular superhero, say it's Superman, how he's been represented in the comic books over the years. And then we come up with, well, what's his, you know, for Supergirl, when we did Superman, um, it was trying to fit him into her storyline and her color palettes and trying to understand how that would work on TV. You know, it's different than doing it for movies have a lot of elements to consider when you're when you're manufacturing that and trying to make the color palettes work for tv yeah i'm sure it's it's color palettes it's functionality exactly it's also something that is iconic but doesn't get old because they're wearing that costume so 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 much you're right. making it season after season i can't even begin to think the thought process behind making that realize do you remember the first superhero costume that you worked on that when you saw it like fully like on the actor, do you remember that? The one, the one I really felt in season one of Supergirl was Martian Manhunter. You often don't have as much time to, to implement the actual design process. Um, so you kind of have one shot to try to get it right and, and you don't always get it right. It's just not, it's just, you know, it's not possible to always get it right. But that one, we had a little bit more time. We had a little more advanced because he was a member of, he wasn't just, in one episode as a, as a bad guy or a superhero, he was going to, you know, he was part of our permanent cast. And so that one was, was exciting because I felt like we really got it right. We had, we had some chance to kind of test some of the fabrics and try and understand um, functionality and, and fit and, um, and colors. And it just, it was, it was exciting. And, you know, it's like some of those, like that one, for example, they, you know, they made it into a figurine and it's, they, they, they never give us credit for that per se because you sign your rights away when you work for a studio but it's it's fun to see you know it's fun to see that your design is is in a 
figurine. I have it actually in my office here somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I feel like that would be super cool. I mean, <laughs> in a way, you're part of a figurine. You're immortal. Yeah, right. I mean, that's, that's a, I mean, that's just definitely cool. As much as we don't admit it, all of us got into this industry for like a small percentage, maybe it's less than 10% for the cool factor. Like, absolutely. It's a fun job. Like, whatever part of it you take place in, like, it's a fun job. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you, you can't say that's not true, right? I mean, it's it just getting to create and tell stories is, is I mean, it, it, you, we're very lucky for yeah. sure. Yeah. And do you have a favorite Easter egg or hidden feature of one of your superhero costumes? I don't know for sure if it's an Easter egg, but the first two seasons, which was what I was, mo you know, that's when I was a full-time costume designer on Supergirl. Like the first two seasons, I, I really tried to, um, it's probably unnoticeable to most of the audience, but there was never any red used on any of the background or other characters in any of the scenes, just to try to give some, I like that color, like working with color stories. Um, so it was to try to give some brevity and some weight to kind of her being Supergirl and her cape and that color and that strength. Um, so that's, I mean, that's probably the the best one I can think of that, it, that I enjoyed kind of just trying to give her cape and the, you know, just trying to give that some, I don't know, glory. <laughs> I feel like the total opposite from your work on Supergirl is your work on season two of You for Netflix. How did you get involved with the series when it moved over to its new home? So You is the same executive producers as Supergirl. So that's that's how I got introduced to them. And they were shooting in LA versus the first season was in New York. And, um, and it, it appealed to me because, you know, I think that as a costume designer, you're not um, I can't speak for everyone. For myself, I'm not necessarily drawn to one particular genre. I'm drawn to the challenge. I'm drawn to telling a story and what that brings to, you know, my ability. And, and um, so I think for me, living in LA, I think it was interesting to try to portray what that meant in today's, you know, I mean, the timing being current. Then I think that the complexity of the characters is always appealing to me as a costume designer and how you can interpret that and, and try and get the audience to understand some of, you know, we, whether we always realize it or not, I think we're, we're making up decisions and assumptions based on how we see other people dress. It's their, how much money they make, where do they shop, what are they, who, you know, what kind of crowd do they align themselves with? And, and you're, as a costume designer, you're trying to help the audience read into those things that are unsaid about those characters. Yeah, that's an excellent segue because I want to talk about Joe's style because while he is constantly trying to blend in and just be a wallflower, there's something about him that really stands out. And yes, it's like his energy and his presence and, you know, Penn's performance, but there's also something about his wardrobe and the way that you, you dressed him and it was slightly different. And I think in this like darker, more mysterious way for season two. What was your thought process on how to, to balance his anonymity, but star of the show as well? I can't take full credit in some ways because a lot of that look and feeling of that character was established first season with, with Penn and the previous costume designer. And, you know, but I was trying to help translate that to what, what would that mean with Joe's character being in LA? And, 
um, you know, so taking the roots of, of what they'd established and there, it, you know, it was a lot of conversations with Penn himself and how, you know, he's meticulous and he's so talented and, and he was very involved with what he would wear and wouldn't wear and, and how he felt he needed to portray that character also. And, um, you know, the, the one thing that, that was at the root of it for him was to, um, it needed to feel almost um, methodical and, and, and almost militaristic in that he would always wear the same color socks or things that you didn't necessarily see, but like that there was just this method to his madness in, in how he approached his life as, you know, Joe, the character approached his life and that it was needing to be a little OCD almost um, in that, you know, how we cuffed his pants and you know just all these things that um he really only had a couple pairs of pants that we would just rotate and try to stretch out because we felt that that character didn't have a lot of money and so it wasn't about trying to make him too trendy um you know it was it was trying to have him fit as a character trying to have him fit into the background kind of right like where he's almost unnoticeable it, it's so plain and, and simple and classic in a way um but we introduced you know controversy with, with him in the sense we introduced like a jean jacket and some of these things that we felt like he would have grabbed onto to try to fit into la a little more versus trying to be less new york there was very small steps that we were trying to introduce to get him to feel a little bit more la and that slightly was ironically saying that it was darker we actually tried to lighten his palette a little bit versus new york um with a few i mean it's subtle it's very subtle <laughs> but a few shirts that were slightly lighter and there's a little bit of linen in those shirts and, and trying to just give him a sense of ease yeah now you same as myself and i think most creatives were transplants to la and where the show is from new york to los angeles it is such a clear clear point of view on los angeles so I know like the, the this grocery store that they worked at, that's like a mirroring of like an Erewhon, but yes. like what was your inspiration for creating the costumes for not just Joe, but for Love and all of the characters because they clearly like they fit into one of those pockets of Los Angeles. Like they have a neighborhood vibe to them. How, how did you select that and start building out from there? So I myself live in, you know, East, LA, I mean, Echo Park, so East Side, you know, and, um, and the, the, we had decided that the kind of characters and the story kind of took place there. We actually shot near Atwater Village. Um, and so we're in that area. And ha having myself be familiar with that area, it was trying to incorporate, well, what does that mean? And, and trying to just pay a little more attention to how people in the neighborhood dress as, as a costume designer. I'm probably always looking and analyzing that more than most but um in more of an observant way not not a you know not trying to just just trying to understand it and, and catalog it and i think that you know we looked to a lot of local designers in la i was trying to um highlight some of that it's not always possible um but you do try and i think that um you know i think there's just a different there's a little less of a showiness than maybe the friends in the first season of you and so there's there's a trying to be subtle of like you don't always know who's wealthy when you run into them in like echo park right that someone might be a millionaire like loves character 
but you don't necessarily know that immediately, right? Because they're trying to hide it. They're trying to fit into, you know, to the neighborhood and, and trying to be more subtle, maybe as a contrast to how that character grew up in wealthy neighborhoods. We all know part of world building for any new project is how the creative heads shape and imagine this new world. Can you walk us through your process and how you like to get to know a new world, how you like to read like the first few scripts on a series, or I mean, if you have that luxury of seeing you know, several in advance, or when you're coming onto a film, how you like to get to know your characters for the first time? Because I think that's something that's really beautiful, regardless of what area of creativity you're in, just like getting to know that person for the first time, that character. Yeah, no, I mean, that's part of my favorite process, truthfully. I think that it's such an interesting, you know, it's really part of the reason that costume design intrigued me. It wasn't, I, I love fashion, but it's not as important to me as maybe some other people. To me, the character development and that psychology behind that and, and who that, trying to find out who that person is, is, is really what drew me to the, this work. And um, I, I, you know, when you read the script, I think you just, you are building a little bit of a world in your head, like when you, anyone reads a book. And I think that you're trying to, I'm looking for clues that the writers are giving me, but a lot of times it then leads to further conversations with the writers to discuss and, and develop who these characters were. I tend to want to ask a lot of questions of like, what's their background? What was their, you know, you want to know these things because they are important to how someone you know, mentally builds their closet and where they're shopping and where, they're, how they're spending their money. And, and those are all important factors to decide how we decide to portray ourselves and who we want to be. Um, you know, we're telling the world that with our, with our clothing as humans. And so in costumes, it's, you know, even more important because you're starting from nothing. But it's also working with the actors a lot of times. I mean, in the very beginning, I often get scripts before I know who those actors are going to be. And so you you're, you sometimes have to shift and adjust according to, oh, okay, this person isn't necessarily what I was picturing, but then you, you work with that actor and say, you know, because they have to wear the clothes, they have to embody the character. And I think it's really important to, you know, I like that collaborative effort. I, you know, superheroes is, the only thing I would say that you often don't really get that <laughs> you're not it's 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 um it's less about maybe the actor's feeling and more about in a superhero and more about maybe the fit and the comfort but but when you're doing um you know period pieces and other things you find I think you want to find things that give them some sense of you know sentimental whether it's the necklace or a shoes or certain certain little things that can help them feel the character and they're not always seen on camera right it might be um a corset and a you know it might be all these under pieces that help them feel or walk a little different or you know so you're you're building that i think collaboratively with the writers and the actors and production designers and all, all the kind of creative people because you want a cohesiveness to that story if, possible you know <laughs> always the goal yes now you've worked on projects like to the stars star trek into darkness and behind the candelabra what time period or genre do you want to take on in the future because you've had a pretty wide variety yeah i mean i am trying to um just keep trying different uh genres and elements because i think it helps me grow it's, it's tough to say what you want because sometimes it's more like you know 
just that you want to work with a different director or a different writer or or that you um you know i'm trying to think what the best way to i i don't know i think that's a difficult question <laughs> i think that it, it's there's just so many projects i would want to do it's tough for me to limit it to one genre or aspect but i mean futuristic and or superheroes you kind of have the most leeway in a sense right at period you're you're you know unless you have a particular story you're 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 constrained to um how things were and what that perception is and, and i think i think actually the most difficult stuff to do is is modern and current current stuff thing shows like you because people feel much more an expert on the current styles and and you know there's not as much leeway in you know i mean like yeah in the past and in the, you know in the future you can do anything because it hasn't happened <laughs> but. i haven't actually thought about that because i feel like I mean, you're filming typically, you know, a couple of months at least in advance. And if you're doing anything that's popular or trendy, it could be making you feel dated so, so quickly. And that about like modern mode. Absolutely. I mean, it's, and, and you try and keep that in mind, but, but it can be inhibiting also. And so I think if you do the best you can with what's available to you when you're doing modern it is really what's available to you for the most part you're doing off the rack and and trying to you know you you in tv in particular you're probably not building a lot of the modern clothes because it's just unnecessary and it's expensive and you need more time but um if it were a modern film you maybe are building some but that that's hard right you're you're trying to anticipate like designers do what is going to be popular now, I would love to talk about your work on Behind the Candelabra and your role and how that you helped bring that very opulent robe of life. It was a really fun project and, and an incredible opportunity. The costume designer, Ellen Mrozhnik, is so, so talented. And um, my role was as a key costumer, but this was before I was doing more costume design. Um, was to help accumulate a lot of the stock of the clothing, um, mostly for the background and the people who help you get a feel of that time period for the film versus the main actors. But some of the clothing for the main actors, I mean, we just manufactured almost all of those clothes for the for Matt Damon. And yeah, I mean, just everything down to swimsuits, all of it was, was made because it was so specific and that Liberace at that time was making a lot of his stuff. So, I mean, the robes, all that stuff was made from scratch. I mean, it was just an incredible process and um, to, to watch it too, you know, and I think I, as a costume designer now have learned so much from just seeing those processes happen and, and how some of these really talented costume designers work. Um, and when we were in Las Vegas, then I helped dress a lot of the background, which weren't, we didn't see as much of because of the way, you know, I mean, the focus is obviously on <laughs> the main cast in that movie. And, um, but I think there was, it's such a fun process because you really do, it, it helps everyone get into character too, to have these audiences that are dressed to the nines. I mean, it was fur coats and it was middle of summer in Las Vegas, but, you know, they're wearing, I mean, we were shooting inside, but they're wearing fur coats and having their hair done. I mean, it was, it was a process and, and, you know, it would take days to, to dress them and decide everyone what everyone was wearing. And uh, it was just 
so cool to kind of see it there because it was it was like transporting back in time and really feeling like you're at one of these shows in the 70s. I mean, it's incredible. Now, what is like the process for sourcing fabric? Like how, I, that, that's just like so outside of my wheelhouse. I don't even know where you would begin to do that, how you find those kind of opulent, like period kind of fabrics. I mean, it's really fun too. You're going to a lot of the fabric stores and, and depending on what you're making, you, you have to kind of understand how much of a fabric you might need. But sometimes you're just looking for inspiration too from some of those fabrics. You might find something unexpected and then you um, incorporate some part of it or you, you can even like make your own fabric. So you can find something, say you don't have enough of it, um, that's available because it's a dead stock or vintage fabric, you can, there are manufacturers that can either, depending on the type of fabric you want, you know, do a screen printing process to um, essentially you're screening a vintage fabric. So it's not woven like some of the vintage ones, but you can, you know, say you needed a double of a vintage blouse you could make a double effectively with some of these modern processes of digital printing and it, it's it's pretty incredible what you can do when you have the time and money and which is typically on these bigger films but you know you bring a lot of these fabrics to the designer when i was working doing sourcing and you're you're finding everything from zippers to all of it that have to be correct on star trek uh, a, a good friend of mine was was essentially the main sourcer, but we worked together to try to find all these fabrics and locate all these interesting elements to help this futuristic, build this futuristic world. And you're, it, it's such a process of, of um, just locating the, the amounts you need from different parts of the country. You're having swatches shipped in from New York and you're just accumulating all these textiles to try to help build this world, you know? And, and it's, it's just such a, it's such an interesting process that is so different than say clothing manufacturing, just because you're in the costume world. I mean, we're not able to like build in the same sense that like, you know, you're for, some of the big fashion designers, they're manufacturing their own fabrics, right? And, and we can do that, but we're doing such smaller runs that we're typically limited to what's available. Yeah. Um, so I think there's something interesting in that too, that you just using all these incredible sources that are out there. And a lot of it's vintage stuff that we use in the film industry too. It's, you know, dead stock. My mind is blown. I know <laughs> taking a vintage or dead stock and then screw Mind is blown. Um, going all of that, I'm sure the costume department has a number of challenges and wild deadlines that no one like myself, an outsider, could ever even imagine. To date, what's been the craziest project or challenge to come across your desk on a project? I think the superheroes are, are challenging, you know, on a TV schedule in particular. Um, like with Superman, for example, I think that by the time we had approved an illustration with Warner Brothers and DC Comics, um, I think we had maybe five weeks to build that, which, which is actually sort of a long time in that timeline. But I mean, when, when you're manufacturing, you're molding the belts, you're, you're manufacturing all this, his cape is made out of leather. I mean, it's, it's a process. He's wearing a muscle suit. 
um, that is molded onto a body form that's that's a 3D scan of his body. Um, so I mean, the, the process, you know, we've figured out how to, you know, do it in this constricted timeline, but it, it you know, when you want to, you just don't have any time to change your mind. And, and I think that's a difference that from working under bigger costume designers on these big films, they have a little more time to um, test certain things or do camera tests and, and kind of understand maybe how a cape will move in front of the camera. And um, I, I was fortunate enough to have that in my background that it helps me do superheroes in this much shorter timeline, but it, it's still challenging. I think, you know, obviously all that we're dependent on all these vendors and, and their, their timelines. And, and so it's not, you know, it's not just me. It's, it's all these people that are actually doing the manufacturing and, and it, it's just it's just hard and it's nerve-wracking things take longer in our normal lives so for sure they take longer in manufacturing and so it's just it's nerve-wracking you know you want to get it right and you want and, and you want it to look great on camera but you kind of have this one shot this little window <laughs> to make make it perfect yeah absolutely <laughs> i think you've already touched on this a little bit but what is your favorite part of the creative process um I would say the collaborative effort, whatever that, with superheroes, that tends to be with the showrunners or writers and the people who are trying to help build the story behind this superhero and, and what his, is he evil? Is he good? Um, how does he, does he float? Does he fly? Does he, you know, all these elements that are important to me to try to help incorporate. And I think that it becomes for me like problem solving, you know, um, and I think the same is true in in regular civilian clothing. It's it's the collaborative effort is the most fun. I mean, it's you know it'd be fun to design stuff in a vacuum, but that's that's I mean, then you can do whatever you want. It's more interesting when you have constrictions and and you you have other people's input because I think it challenges us to think in different ways and and solve problems in different ways. And I think we all get better because of that, because we're learning from each other. Now, for all of our content creators listening that want to design a costume on a budget for their own personal projects and want to have that professional, cohesive feel, do you have any advice or pro tips of how to do costuming on a budget? I know that's a tricky one. Yes, I, it's challenging. There's no question. And it's something all, all of us as costume designers deal with um, currently it doesn't seem like we do but it you know sometimes uh we're all trying to work within budgets and it's hard but i think when you have in my background was doing some independent films and, and you are trying to um you want it to look just as good as these other pro projects out there and I, I i commend people for that and i think it's it's it can be really creative again i think it's kind of like problem solving you're trying to find um solutions and i think there's a lot more resources out there in the sense that as content creators, you also have access to what other people have done and access to this information online and through podcasts like this. And I think there's, there's more information out there than there used to be. And, and I think it's, you know, doing little hacks or vintage shopping and, and there's, there's, there's ways around depending on what your project is. But I do think, um, you know, vintage stores are such a great resource that all of us, 
use and love. And, and I think that there's so much there to be reused and repurposed and um, not just for the environmental reasons, which is also important. <laughs> but I think that there's just, there's just so much stuff that you can really find and get your hands on. And even through Etsy or some of these other places where we still, we use that as a resource for dead stock lace or, or, you know, when you're trying to find really particular things, um, you know, Etsy and eBay can be a great source for some of those little bits that help you just bring it up a level or, you know, if, if it's not available to you in, in a hometown of like, you know, where there's a Joann's or those things to be able to kind of just have a little bit of a different feel. I think some of those online sources and, and there's so many more now. I mean, people sell directly on Instagram and everything, but I, I mean, just the vintage, I think is a great resource. That is really good advice. <laughs> I believe all creatives are constantly seeking out inspiration for their craft or just their own personal life. Where do you like to draw your inspiration from or what inspires you? I mean, there's so many places I think that just just being part of your community, that inspires me. I think it's more truthfully more like average people in a way that, that inspire me because they are living their life and they're finding creative ways to feel pretty and, and do something different or um, you know, but I certainly am inspired by fashion designers too. There, there's, there's a lot of creativity there, particularly younger and less known fashion designers, I think are, are allowed to be more creative than some of the bigger fashion designers. So I think, I think there's just so much, um, that inspires me. And sometimes it's art and sometimes it's photography and it's, it's, it's a feeling and it's, a, you know, it, it, it can be from anywhere really. Amazing. All right, last question. What is one thing you wish you could go back and tell your younger self? I think it's such a good question that you ask everyone. I, I you know, and it's, it's tough. And I think a lot of people have an answer of, of wanting to tell yourself it's going to be okay and it's all going to work out. And I think that, I mean, that, that definitely applies to me, but, but also I think just not to worry and stress so much. I think, I think, you know, as as young, when we're younger and we we're so overwhelmed by the entertainment business, um, once you get further into it, you realize it's not it's not as um, it's not as crazy in a way as it seems from the outside. You know, I mean, people are kind and connected and want to help you, and not always. I mean, certainly it's a challenge, and I think it's been it's been difficult at times. But I think just to try and enjoy the step you're at and try and enjoy, you know, instead of trying to jump ahead so far, try and enjoy where you are because you're learning more than you think you are. You know, when I worked under some of these costume designers, I don't think I realized how much I was actually learning and, and absorbing from them. And it's so useful to me now. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us on the show and for sharing so much of this like story building and the like the resources and just your personal insight. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was really fun to talk to you. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening. And to my guest today, Kristen Hargrader. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you're not already, please join our creative community on Instagram at what's my frame and follow the show to stay in the loop for future episodes. I'm Laura Linda Bradley, and this is what's my frame.